Raiders, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it. It, of course, is Victory Lane. Today's episode 65, and this is the Carl Adams edition of Victory Lane. Don't know who he is. Did a little bit of research on him, and I found out that he had about 19 starts, I want to say, in the number 65 car at the Cup Series level. Four of those starts netting him top 10 finishes. So, not bad, Mr. Carl Adams. We pay homage to you today on episode 65. We will recap the Brickyard, Indianapolis, the road course, everything that went with it, including uh, the show that we're seeing with two of the sport's elite drivers that will be in the Hall of Fame and the fact that they're putting on a show for us week in and week out, I, I don't want that to go unnoticed. I think it should be appreciated. Plus a brief preview of Kentucky Speedway this upcoming weekend. The President of the United States being the President of the United States, once again, spitting falsehoods. And some breaking news as we're recording this. The next batch of schedule releases for the Cup Xfinity and Truck Series and Arkham Menard Series. I'll stop my babbling, and we'll get this episode started as we get every single other episode started at Victory Lane with a good, old-fashioned, hearty... I'm still at my girlfriend's parents' place, but I did not muffle my reggaeton in a pillow this time. Um, And also, we don't have a guest on this week because a mix of a couple things. One, time. Two, my computer has been bugging out for the past few days with storage issues. Have you guys ever had those on your... Dells or MacBooks, whatever. It happens to me all the time. And it just so happens that I ordered a new computer and that happens to be on its way. So I don't have enough space to do literally anything. I don't have enough space on my Mac to text with iMessage, to barely look at Slack, um, to edit audio, edit a video. I'd use my girlfriend's mom's computer to do my highlight hump day this week. I mean, it's it's a lot. So that's why we don't have a guest this week. But I just wanted to hear I wanted you to hear me blabble and babble for 30 minutes or so. So let's get into it. The Big Machine Hand Sanitizer 400 powered by Big Machine Records from Indianapolis. Let's just call that big old mumbo jumbo the Brickyard 400. What do you say? Cool. Glad we're on the same page. As an aside, I think race names like that too long. Really, truly too long. I mean, look, you're the sponsor. You want to pay for it. You're putting your money where your math is. Cool. But nobody's going to call it that long name if it's that long. It's like the K&N race at Gateway last year. What was it? Let's see if I can do it from memory once again. Um, What is it? The Monaco Cocktails Gateway Classic 125 presented by the West Coast Stock Car Hall of Fame at Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway. Yeah, it's insane. It's ridiculous. It's too long of a name, um, and it should be shorter. But let's get into the race itself. A lightning delay, again, to start the race. That's what happens when you start races at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time, people, with no other reason why you could have started it earlier. But ratings were up 46%, so I guess they're doing something right. Who knows? A very eventful stage one. You had Ryan Blaney's pit crew member, Zach Price, with a very, very scary incident. 
you had the 15 of Brennan Poole end up crushing his leg or his knee against the car. He was okay, but it was pretty horrifying. I wasn't able to watch that part of the race live, but I saw it and was monitoring it on Twitter. And I was really worried for the guy because they red flagged the race. They brought an ambulance out, but he wound up giving everybody a thumbs up and he was good to go. And I think I saw a story from the Indianapolis Star today as we're recording this, which is Wednesday afternoon, that he's going to be out for a few months, but no surgery is required. And there's still the possibility that he'll be able to return over the wall later this season. So Zach Price, you're a warrior, my dude. So William Byron wins stage one. He actually had a tire issue on the ensuing restart to begin stage two after Justin Allgaier had one filling in for Jimmy Johnson, who tested positive for COVID-19, but you all know that by now. And Ryan Newman also had tire issues. Eric Jones and Alex Bowman had huge impacts, huge tire failures, I think coming out of turn two. And they, I mean, destroyed their race cars, destroyed the wall. Thankfully, they both were okay as far as I know. But, I mean, those are just crazy, crazy licks. Kevin Harvick, he wound up making a crazy move down the backstretch on one of the restarts. Uh, he didn't even get a push from anybody, but it was Chase Elliott, I think. Uh, or no, it was Denny Hamlin and Austin Dillon were racing side-by-side side down the back. And Kevin Harvick just said, see ya, yeet, and then ripped a left-hand turn. Almost went in the grass, passed them both in one fellow swoop into turn three. Denny tried it on Kevin. But Kevin was able to fight back on the outside later on in the race. And it winds up coming down to those two drivers, Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin. Stop me if you heard this before. But Chris Gabehart, again, stop me if you heard this before, winds up pitting the 11 car one lap before the four. There was actually miscommunication. He was supposed to pit on the same lap, but there was two spotters at Indy because the track is so big. And the second spotter was talking over Rodney Childers when he was telling Kevin to pit. So... Long story short, Denny gets out way ahead of Kevin Harvick on that green flag pit cycle, but then Bowman had his accident, restart, bunches everybody back up. The 11 of Denny Hamlin, he's smooth sailing to the wind, gets clean air, gets past Harvick on the restart, and he is he is setting sail and not looking back. But Kevin Harvick is told by Rodney Childers to push Denny as hard as he can so the 11 can maybe, possibly, who knows, burn his right front tire off because it had been courting and and wearing pretty, pretty hard all race long. And Kevin's wear on his tires had not been that bad. So what does he do? He does exactly what he's told. And Denny, with seven laps to go, wrecks hard. Again, another huge impact. I think this one was coming out of turn one. But, I mean, he wrecked a ton. Right front blue had nowhere to go straight into the wall. He was okay. And that was something that I'll talk about here in a second. Uh, but he was okay. Uh, Kevin Harvick actually asked if he was okay. Then refocused his mind. Nailed the overtime restart. Got a really good push from the 41 of Cole Custer at the end. Cleared Matt the Brat Kenseth, who finished in second. And went on to win his third career Brickyard 400. Second in a row and fourth win of the 2020 season. Man, oh man, oh man. Uh, the key was pushing Denny hard at the end, as I said. Because if he wouldn't have done that... Denny probably wouldn't have blown his tire. And if that wouldn't have happened, Kevin was not going to get by the 11 on raw speed. He said so. But there was no bad tire wear on the four car all race long. This actually stems from a question that Rodney Childers answered in the post-race presser, which I thought was really interesting because they went into this race basically preparing for no tire wear on the track, whereas in previous years, the Xfinity Series had been running on the track and they had put down tire rubber. Plus, you'd have qualifying 
practice for both series. This year, you didn't have any of that. So that was a whole other variable and another loop to throw into the equation. Most of the teams, besides Stuart Haas Racing, didn't factor that in. But Kevin Harvick's number four team of Stuart Haas Racing, led by Rodney Childers, did. And pushing Denny at the end, that was the key in pushing him hard enough to melt that bead on the tire. Yeah, we had great tire wear today. Our, our car was... Uh... You know, the cam, they hit the cambers and everything right on. So I was able to, you know, to really push my car hard, um, you know, as hard as I could push it. Uh, we, we still never got the handling 100% right. I was able to push him a little bit harder that last run than I had, had been before. I was able to stay a little bit closer. And, you know, the, with the sun going down, the pace really picked up. So, you know, it's, um, you know, the corner speed started to pick up and, and lap time started to pick up as well. So uh, we, knew it, we knew they were close on, on, on tire wear. And even though this is the second straight year that he's won in Indianapolis, the third time in his career, this is a big, big deal for him because even though he's from California, he grew up watching the Indy 500 and watching his racing idol, Rick Mears, win Indianapolis 500s, drink the milk, kiss the bricks, all the prestige, the pomp, and the circumstance that comes along with racing and winning at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And well, it's not getting old for him anytime soon. Well, I can tell you today I was as, as excited uh, as, I've, as I've been of, of any of the races that we've won because, you know, look, for, for me, I, I think you guys have all heard me talk about this. This is, this is like living out your childhood dream, being able to race here and win here. Uh, I know how many times we've had really fast cars here and, and come out on the other side of this and now to win it back to back at, at the Brickyard and, and have won it three times is, is something that is a little bit surreal, to be honest with you, because I just, I kind of have to just laugh about it and, um, you know, think back to all of those times that you that you told somebody you were gonna, you know, go win the Indy 500 and race Indy cars or whatever the case may be, and now you're here in a stock car and you know, 20 years into your career and 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 still going strong. So it's um, it's just a it's a great place to to come to. It's a great place to race and and something that I look forward to every year. And before we get to the rest of the audio bites, I, I want to touch on the battle with Denny Hamlin and. The two teams, the 4 and the 11, I mean, they have been battling tooth and nail for the past few weeks, and it's been something that I have really enjoyed to watch. It's been something for the ages. I mean, when Denny crashed, Chris Gaypart packed up his stuff, got off the pit box, walked right by the 4 team because they were pitted right next to each other. He dapped, like, all of them up, basically saying, hey, go get them. You know, we were leading. You pushed us hard enough to melt our tire. Good for you. Go get them. Like, they, there's a mutual respect and admiration between those two teams, those two crew chiefs, those two drivers. Um, Kevin and Denny, they've had their jokes with each other in the past. Of course, they've had their riffs every now and then, but it's not like a crazy riff that you've seen in the past with people like Bowman and Bubba or Kevin and Kyle back in the day. But Rodney Childers talked about the mutual respect between himself and Gabe Hart and basically saying, I I've been waiting for Gabe Hart to get this shot for a while because I go back with him a ways to local short track racing, and I know what he's capable of. But these two teams are at the tops of their respective games right now. The crew chiefs are, the pit crews are, the engineers are, and the drivers are. Everybody across the board. You could argue that Kevin Harvick right now in 2020, in July, early July, you could argue he's running better than he ever has in his career. That's, that's including... 2014 when he won the championship, 2015 when I think he had a statistically better season than 2014, 2017 when his statistics were also up with 2015. Like right now, he's putting together a hell of a campaign. 
And I think it's also true that Denny Hamlin is in that same boat. I mean, he already has four wins this season. He's getting pep talks from MJ. He doesn't even need pep talks from MJ. He's at age 39, which we know is statistically a driver's prime. We've seen all the statistics that have gone into Denny Hamlin's last two, three years, whether it's Mike Ford, Mike Wheeler, now Chris Gabehart. This is the guy for Denny. I mean, he said that Mike Wheeler was going to basically be the last screw chief that he had. Things didn't work out. You got to adjust on the fly. That's what he's doing. And right now, Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick are the two best stock car drivers on planet Earth. That's not a debate. They also have the two best crew chiefs on planet Earth, and they also have the two fastest cars on planet Earth. But that's what happens when the pieces of the puzzle come together. You got a fast car by fast engineers with a fast crew chief with the best driver. What do you get? Winning races week in and week out, and this amazing, incredible, very, very fun and entertaining battle between the 11 and the 4. And I, I really hope that they can keep this up throughout the entirety of the season because it'd be a shame if they didn't. Um, I'm, I'm sure everybody is going to be saying, well, of course, they'll have, you know, a couple weeks here and there where they'll fall off. Yeah, of course. I mean, you can't you can't factor in tire failures or mechanical failures, DNFs here and there. But I mean, I, I don't really see or foresee the four or the 11 team like just unloading off the truck and just running poorly anywhere. Mile and a half, road courses, short tracks, super speedways. I, I I don't see it. I mean, look what happened here. Two and a half mile track at Indy. First and second, that's where they were going to finish if it wasn't for the tire for Denny. Pocono, two and a half mile track. First and second, both weekends. Um, you know, short tracks. We know Denny's historically great at short tracks. Kevin Harvick, he's already won a handful of short track races in his career. Intermediates. Denny's won a couple. Homestead. Kevin's won a couple, Darlington, you know, this is not going anywhere anytime soon. And I just want you guys to know that I'm appreciating what we're seeing right now. And I think you guys should take a step back and, and also do the same. Rodney Childers. I've mentioned him a little bit. He had a really funny soundbite right off the bat on how his strategy to pick Kevin Harvick right before the competition yellow came about. Take it away, Rodney. Probably the funniest thing you've ever said. Yeah, last night I was sleeping really good, and then at 3.02 I woke up, and my brain said, we're going to pit a lap before the competition caution comes out. And um, I went to the restroom, and then I got my computer out, and I worked for an hour and a half. And then at uh, about 6 o'clock, I decided to turn my computer back off and go back to sleep for about an hour. But uh, something woke me up in the middle of the night to tell me that I needed to pit on lap 11 and try to get uh, control of the race early. And this was Rodney Childers' 30th win atop the pit box with Kevin Harvick. And I, I tweeted something after the race about Kevin's resume because it is something to behold right now. And I'm not even looking at it. I knew it mostly from memory because of my past fandom associated with him. But here's what we got on Kevin Harvick's resume. One day, 2500 in 2007. I didn't even include the all-star race also in 2007. Three Brickyard 400s in 2003, 2019, 2020 a Cup Series championship in 2014, two Xfinity championships in 01 and 06, 53 Cup Series wins, over 50 Xfinity wins, a multi-time Truck Series champion, an IROC winner, and maybe an IROC champion, I want to say. What else can he say other than elite? Like, he, he really is an elite race car driver, an elite stock car driver, and an elite driver in NASCAR history. You could argue he's top 10 all time. I'm not putting him on Mount Rushmore. I'm not going to put him in my top five. 
with Petty, Earnhardt, Johnson, Pearson, and maybe Gordon, Waltrip, I don't know, Yarborough. I'm not going to put him in my top five, but God, I got to think about putting him in my top ten. You honestly, you you can't honestly disclude him from the conversation. He's got to be mentioned at least once or twice. So I'm. I just hope that we appreciate not only what we're seeing from him and Denny, but also him in general. And that was a funny soundbite from Rodney. But let me get back to the second one from Rodney. Um, so when he got up in the middle of the night, peed, did his homework, went back to bed, it all worked. Um, and I wanted to know what it's been like winning this many races with this one driver because he was a little bit skeptical coming to SHR. Kevin had to recruit him pretty hard. But Rodney, I'm sure looking back on it, is pretty glad he did. 30 wins with one driver is a big accomplishment. You know what else is a big accomplishment? Finally getting a question in in the post-race Zoom press conferences because, God, I had my hand up in Zoom forever, and I got the last word with Rodney Childers. Rodney, congrats on the victory. I believe this was win number 30 for you and Kevin. I was curious what that milestone meant to you. Yeah, I mean, it, it's huge. Um, you know, we've been able to do some special things together and um, to win 30 races together in, in, what, six and a half years, seven years. I don't even know what it is anymore. It's blown by, but um, 30 races is huge. And, uh, you know, to have, I think for now I have 33 wins and 34 poles. It's, it's pretty crazy. And two Brickyard 400s back to back, and he's got three of them. And, um you know, we love racing together, but it's really about everybody else on the team. Uh, everybody back at the shop that builds those great cars, uh, our shop guys, our road crew, our pit crew, everybody's just firing on all cylinders right now. And um, it means a, it means a lot to win together, not just for, for me and Kevin. Thank you. How about P2 for the old man, Matt Kenseth? Strategy from the 42 team and Chad Johnson got him up to third. And then when the caution came out, he wound up having 11 laps, fresher tires on the final overtime restart than Kevin Harvick did. But Harvick chose the top, had Cole Custer pushing him to the win, got clear of the 42 in turn one. And as Matt says right here, I mean, clean air was the difference at the end. But to go from where he was at his debut at Darlington to where he is now and all the struggles, trials, and tribulations that he's had with that team getting back up to speed in between, pretty big accomplishment, I'd say. You know, I certainly wasn't flawless today. I could have done a little bit better on, uh, you know, a couple of those restarts, particularly the last one. Um, but I, but I feel a lot more comfortable than than I have been for sure. And I, I think really, you know, Pocono was a big step forward for us. It was the first time. I mean, our, our finishes don't look spectacular. They're like 11th and 12th or something. But we've been finishing 20th and 25th. So um, obviously, it's a much better car, much better team than that. Uh, so I feel like we hit on some stuff at Pocono that really seemed to work for me and, and directionally seemed to be better. And uh, the car drove uh, pretty good here the, the whole entire day, too. So I'm hoping we can just carry that momentum um, into Kentucky and then uh, just, just keep moving forward with that and hopefully uh, hopefully getting to the front like we did today and, and running up front where this team belongs. Kevin Harvick and Cole Custer were not the only two Stuart Haas racing drivers to have banner days. How about Eric Amarola with not his third, not his fourth, but his fifth, count him five, straight top five finishes in 2020. And he's the second of three SHR cars that finished inside of the top five. Uh, it's, It's crazy. This is the best stretch of his career right now, by far, bar none, not even close. And I think it's early to consider him a championship favorite or even a contender. Sorry if that's kind of a slap in the face. 
But you got to take notice of what he's doing. He's contending for wins. And a lot of it's coming from track position. But by gosh, he's taking advantage of the opportunities that are presented with him. He's got a fast car. He's got the talent to do it. We've seen that. Who knows? He could sneak in and grab a win sometime soon. Well, it's a, it's a really big boost. Uh, coming to India, it's a, it's a crown jewel event. You want to run good here. Um, it, it's such a prestigious race. So just really proud of, of all the guys uh, at Stewart House Racing and, and girls, uh, everybody that makes this thing go round. Uh, they've been putting in some incredible hours. Uh, we've been going on, on multiple shift work uh, at the shop, and they're working uh, you know, all hours of the day. And just to be able to keep up with this pace of race after race after race with midweek races, um, it's put a lot of strain on our organization. But uh, you've, we've seen the resilience and the grit of our race team, and it's been incredible. And I teased it a little bit earlier, but Jimmy Johnson, unfortunately, uh, tested positive for coronavirus on Friday. That's when it was announced to the media. Justin Allgaier was notified about 15 minutes before everybody else found out that he'd be driving the 48 Ally Chevrolet for Hendrick Motorsports. Um, and as Justin does very well, he talked for a couple of minutes about the possible opportunity uh, to have a good run on this past Sunday in the 48 car. This is after he finished the Xfinity race. Unfortunately, that did not go too well for him as he had a flat tire issue and he was involved in that pit road incident. But Justin's a great dude, and I want to hear you. Uh, I want you to hear his thoughts on the opportunity. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the circumstances are not what anybody wants um and it, it doesn't necessarily mean you know whether that be jimmy or, or any driver for that matter um you know we, we've obviously i feel like nascar um, all the teams have done a really good job of of being proactive um and and you know unfortunately with with what's going on right now it's, it's very very difficult to uh to do all those social distancing things and 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 you know hope that um nothing happens like this so you know for me one of the things that's been very interesting is, you know, I've been sitting uh, every week on standby for, for HMS. They've been extremely helpful in that regard from, from my end and, and just making sure that they have a backup plan, not only uh, for myself, but for all of their guys. And so we've sat every week and, and waited. And, and to be honest with you, um, I really thought that it was kind of crazy. Um, you know, I really didn't expect that, that this opportunity would, would come to, to fruition and, um, you know, so when I got the phone call yesterday, I actually found out about 10, 15 minutes before all of you found out, uh, which was uh, a little interesting for, for my end. But, uh, you know, I couldn't uh, I couldn't ask for a better team. You know, everybody at Hendrick Motorsports obviously does a fantastic job. And the 48 team, I've, I've worked with a lot of the guys on that team closely. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited in, in, in one aspect. But the other part of this is, is that, um, you know, we're, we're, we're thinking about Jimmy. We're thinking about his whole family. Um, you know, he's, he's made it very clear that his kids tested negative, but, but their safety is um, their utmost importance. And I think that, that rings true no matter what happens tomorrow on the racetrack. Um, we want to see Jimmy get healthy and his family get healthy. And, and we want to see him get back to the racetrack as soon as possible. I, I, I texted him last night. You know, we were texting back and forth. And I told him I just, you know, I, I want him to get healed up quick. Or not healed up, but get healthy quick so he can get back. Because I want to see him in victory lane a lot more uh, before the end of the season. And I think they got that, uh, they, they got that opportunity. And now we fortunately know that Jimmy Johnson has tested negative for the virus twice, 24 hours apart, and has been cleared by an independent physician to return and resume all racing activities. What does that mean? Jimmy's back. He will be racing this weekend at Kentucky Speedway. 
snapped his streak of 663, something like that, consecutive starts behind the wheel of a cup car. But, man, I'm sure he's more happy than anybody to get back behind the wheel. Also, I want to give a quick shout-out to Michael McDowell, seventh place run, second top 10 in an eight-day span. Tyler Reddick came home in eighth, Bubba Wallace ninth. I think he's equaled his top 10 results this season than he did last season. So we got a very interesting top 10 when you talk about Eric Amarola, Cole Custer, Michael McDowell, Tyler Reddick, Bubba Wallace, Matt Kenseth. This is 2020. I mean, of course it's going to be interesting. Also would be remiss if we did not touch on the president and his tweet about Bubba Wallace. I was going to say Twitter tirade, but it was just a tweet. Um, basically, I, I'm not even going to read the tweet. It's just, it's dumb at this point. But he basically called the Bubba Wallace situation a hoax and said that the ratings for NASCAR have been declining, which both statements are unequivocally false. Um, if I don't care if you voted for um, Hillary. I don't care if you voted for Trump and you're listening to this. You got to understand that the two things that he said were literally wrong. Um, you guys like know where I stand uh, politically on this issue and just in general, probably. But it it literally just blows my mind that the sanctioning body has gone out of their way to help him. Uh, this being the president of the United States in the fact that he was invited to the Daytona 500 this year. He came. Um, the race essentially was just kind of like a big Trump rally. He gave the command. It was really cool. Um, like I'm not the biggest fan of the guy, but I have to admit being at the Daytona 500 with the president in attendance, leading the field on a pace lap in the beast. Like that was a badass moment for me to be a part of. And that was cool. Regardless of political affiliation, regardless of what you think of the guy, that was cool. And I recognize that. And I realized that, but the fact of the matter is like this, he's, he's literally just wrong and he's, he's wrong a lot of the time. I'm not going to say much more about that. So he basically called it a hoax and said that the ratings were down. Um, and it just so happened that that day, the ratings for the Brickyard came out and they were up, not down, up 46% compared to last year's Brickyard 400 race. And they were also up 20-something percent compared to last year's Daytona um, July 4th weekend race. Um, so if you want to compare apples to apples, it's still up more than 20%. So Mr. President, respectfully, you're incorrect. Um, so NASCAR basically put out a statement because there was a lot of public backlash of them for not coming out and supporting Bubba. Um, and they basically said, we support Bubba, a whole lot of nothing. But Bubba Wallace came out with a statement, and I'm going to read you his statement in full. It was really, really well written. And frankly, <laughs> he's the one being the leader, uh, not only for NASCAR, but for the country <laughs> with one of these issues. So his tweet said, to the next generation and little ones following my footsteps, love wins. Your words and actions will always be held to a higher standard than others. You have to be prepared for that. You don't learn these things in school. You learn them from trials and tribulations, the ups and downs this crazy world provides. You will always have people testing you, seeing if they can knock you off your pedestal. I encourage you to keep your head held high and walk proudly on the path you have chosen. Never let anybody tell you you can't do something. God put us all here for a reason. Find that reason and be proud of it and work your tails off every day towards it. All the haters are doing is elevating your voice and platform to much greater heights. Last thing, always deal with the hate being thrown at you with love. Love over hate every day. Love should come naturally as people are taught to hate, even when it's hate from the President of the United States. Love wins, Bubba Wallace. Oh boy, 
Bubba, you gave me goosebumps. You gave everybody else in NASCAR goosebumps when we read that. Um, I think everybody's saying it. You know, we still stand with Bubba. We always have. We always will. Um, we're not going to let bigotry and racism and blatant racism. Also, Trump commented on the flag and how that was a bad decision. So, yay, supporting the Confederate flag. That's smart. Um, basically, man, all we got to say is, Bubba, we love you. Trump, respectfully, you're wrong. And uh, before I say anything else, that's going to get me in trouble. I'll just shut up. Also want to touch on the Xfinity Series event from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course, the inaugural event on that road course. And it was fun. I wasn't able to watch all of the event, but it seemed like it was a hell of a show. And it winds up being the dude who has dominated all season long in the Xfinity Series doing so once again. The Indiana boy, Chase Briscoe, is a winner. He kisses the bricks. He climbs the fence, and he did it with Greg Zipidelli, Tony Stewart's championship winning crew chief, atop the pit box for him. That's a storybook tale right there. I mean, a guy who grows up in Indiana, loving Tony Stewart, loving Zipidelli, him on the pit box, winning at Indy, kissing the bricks, climbing the fence. Sports, man. I think Jeff Gluck tweeted that. I mean, it does not get much better than that. And we've heard in recent weeks how much this track and race means to him as a driver professionally and personally. And there was a lot of feelings about having the idea of him winning the race at Indianapolis, but that idea is now reality. I mean, the dude actually kissed the bricks at his hometown track. Unbelievable. Yeah, you know, every week I've talked about when I win, how, you know, the fans make winning fun. You know, they're the reason. You a couple times I don't really celebrate just because, I, you know, without the fans, I just don't get hyped up. But here I was obviously excited. Um, you know, I wish there would have been fans here. I, I probably said it five or six times in victory lane, how bad I wish fans were here, especially my family and friends. And, you know, I just know it would have been so special. I know my, my, my family was probably crying at home. Um, you know, I was thinking about that in the last couple laps. Um, so, you know, it's tough. You know, I wish they could have been here to experience it because, you know, it's something that may not ever happen again. So, you know, it's definitely bittersweet to win um, without them here. But, you know, overall, I'm, I'm still so glad and thankful that I was just able to win here. Um, you know, very few people can say they, they've got a race here, let alone win here. And, you know, it's – I was saying it's still not as prestigious, obviously, as winning on the Oval. But, you know, to be the first to do something and, and win on the road course here in a stock car and – you know, it doesn't matter what you're racing here. If you win in Indianapolis, it's special, and especially when you grow up literally an hour away from the place and came here as a kid. So it's just uh, very humbling. This guy is on fire. I mean, cue the Alicia Keys music because this driver is on fire. Five wins already and no signs of slowing down whatsoever for the 98 driver. And I mentioned Greg Zipidelli. He admittedly is an old man and uh, didn't want to climb the fence to celebrate, but he did celebrate a little bit with his boys. No, I would have. Um, Bob, I'm too old to, to run down there with those kids anymore. So I walked down, and they were coming back down when I got there. So um, I did it before. Uh, to, uh, just a really cool win. Great place. That's the first thing Chase said. So that was cool. Glad I could uh, be a small part of uh, him experiencing that. I know he was uh, pretty pumped up to come here, um, being from Indiana. And, and, you know, a lot of his heroes uh, raced here and, and, and grew up around here. Road course ace Austin Sindrick was up there. Same with AJ Allmendinger. I think Noah Gregson and Justin Allgaier were battling up there for the lead and for the win. Um, call me crazy. I'm here for a doubleheader next year. You can run the Xfinity Series at noon on the Indy road course. 
the Cup Series at 3.30 or 4 on the Indy Road Course on a Saturday. And then you can run the Cup Series on the Oval on Sunday. And if you want to, you could also do the Xfinity Series on the Road Course on Sunday. Heck, why don't you make it a big weekend of racing? Call me crazy. Friday night, ARCA race at Lucas Oil Raceway. Saturday, what I said. Sunday, what I said. Or Thursday, ARCA race at Lucas Oil, a.k.a. IRP. Friday evening, cup race at IRP or Xfinity race at IRP or a truck race at IRP. And then you can run the road course on Saturday, the oval on Sunday. You can involve two series, three series, four series. I don't care, but all I know is that this needs to be done because now I'm getting really excited about it. You need to use the road course. You need to use the short track. You need to use the oval. All three are prestigious in their own unique ways, and they should be showcased as such. Drop the mic. A brief race preview this weekend of Kentucky Speedway. Remember last year that awesome battle between the Bush brothers? It was Kurt and Kyle down to the wire last year. A crazy finish. And I think that's when Kurt was talking to NBC and he just looks in the camera and he's like, hell yeah. Well, that was awesome. Could he repeat? Could we have a repeat of what we saw last year? I I don't know. I doubt it on both accounts, but man, I'm really hoping and, and holding on to hope for that one. But I'll be watching Denny Hamlin. I'll be watching Kevin Harvick per usual. Like these are the two guys when it comes to racing in NASCAR right now. Regardless of track, regardless of venue, like these two guys are going to be up front and you know that they are going to be like, I mean, they're the two betting favorites in Vegas every week for a reason. But what about Chase Elliott? Can he get back up there and contend for the victory? Ryan Blaney, Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, the threesome over there at Team Penske. Kyle Busch. Where is Kyle Busch? Where's the beef? Where's the champ? It's insane to me. Uh, I think the most the, the craziest thing of 2020 in NASCAR, besides the fact that we're going to the Daytona Road Course, which I'll talk about in the next segment, um, and we're doing double headers and midweek races and changing the All Star race and all this stuff and coronavirus. The craziest thing to me is that at this point in the year, which is what uh, 13 races, something like that, Kyle Busch has zero, zero playoff points this year. And he has one, one victory in the last calendar year. That happened to be at the season finale last year at Homestead, and he was eligible for the championship four, and he won the race and won the championship. But in the last year, that's all the races that he's won. And this year, he hasn't even gotten a playoff point. What the hell is going on out here? Good Lord. Oh, man. Well, Sunday, 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox Sports 1. It's the last race for the Fox Family Networks this season. And then we will switch over to NBC. Lug Nuts of the Week! Cue that funky music, white boy. Daniel Johnson, who is Tommy Joe Martins' crew chief in the Xfinity Series, has been suspended for the next race because the axle fell off of their car. Yikes. <laughs> Brian Wilson was fined $5,000 for a loose lug nut on Austin Sindrick's car. And those are the penalties and the real lug nuts of the week. But now we're going to talk about the newest schedule that has been released, announced, put forth, what have you, for the Cup Xfinity Truck and Arkham Menard Series. Unfortunately, Cup Series will not go to Watkins Glen International this year in upstate New York. Instead, they're going to be going down south to the Daytona International Speedway road course it's gonna be fun we thought we were gonna see it next year for the clash 
but now we will see it this year for a points paying event. And not just the top three series are going to be there, all four are going to be there. Arca, Truck, Xfinity, Cup. Man, it'll be fun to watch. And God, that Arca race, I hope they have more than like six cars and two cautions. But God, I don't know what's going to happen. And that race is two weeks before the regular season finale, which is also at the Daytona Oval. Plus, doubleheaders at Dover, doubleheader at Michigan. Right now, the playoff schedule remains unchanged with Phoenix still having the finale, but I just saw a report that Arizona has the highest number of coronavirus cases um, as of this recording on Wednesday afternoon, so hopefully they're able to get that under control and maybe kind of flatten the curve for the second time and we can have our championship race in Phoenix. Also, um, the Xfinity races at Michigan and Mid-Ohio and the truck races at Eldora in Canada, which are two of my favorites event of the year, have been canceled and they will be realigned to dates and tracks that have to that have yet to be determined there's going to be a standalone event at road america for the xfinity series the truck race at gateway will not be in the playoffs there's a lot more info and little specific things here and there in terms of time and scheduling and standalone companion what have you tv networks all that information can be found on my twitter account at davy center and on nascar.com That'll wrap things up for episode 65, the Carl Adams edition. Yes, that's right, of Victory Lane 2.0. Do me a favor. If you like what you heard, please leave a rating and a review to this podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud. Um, My dad left a very raunchy review last week, but it's kind of like an inside joke. Um, But if you get it, you get it. Um, But do what my dad did. Just be less raunchy about it, I guess. Hopefully next time I'm talking to you guys on this pod, I will have a new computer, I will have more storage, and I will have a new and improved and wonderful, fun guest on this program. Peace and love, my dude dudettes. Stay good, stay safe, stay inside, and enjoy the racing from the Bluegrass State this weekend.